0: Welcome to the Women's Wellness Podcast, where we interview experts in various fields with the goal of empowering women to make informed decisions about their health, life, and family. I'm your host, Amy-Jane Smith, and I would like to thank you for tuning in today. So get comfy while I introduce our next guest. Hello and welcome to the Women's Wellness Podcast. My name is Amy and I'm your host and today we are talking about breast cancer and my guest today is going to talk a little bit about her story with breast cancer and she's also going to talk about the relationship between sleep and cancer. So this is a two-parter. So today in this episode we'll be talking mainly about her cancer story and then in the next episode, we will focus more deeply on sleep and cancer. So this lady, she is an ICF approved certified life coach. She's a best-selling author and a heal your life teacher. She was first exposed to the mind-body connection during her career as an ear, nose and throat surgeon, where her curiosity was piqued by how the mind works and the effect it has on the body. She now works predominantly with people affected by cancer and helps them get back a good night's sleep, something that she knows is gets terribly affected, having survived cancer herself. So as I mentioned, she is a sleep and cancer coach, ear, nose and throat surgeon, and an author. I would like to welcome... Dr. Anita Rangadar. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. How how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Good. It's, it's a lovely day here. And um, yeah, everything is going great. I had my morning walk. So I'm all get up for the next, I guess, hour where we're going to be talking to each other.
0: Yeah, it's good getting out for a walk. I, I went for a walk actually just before we started awesome. <laughs> getting in the right zone and all yes. of that because Absolutely. yes sitting at desks isn't very good for you yeah. it's um,
1: become negotiable for me i i have to start off my day but i'm more of a very much of a morning person these days so yeah. i'm out there before kind of the crowd comes in and it's a good two hours of you know of, it's, it's really my me time it kind of really sets the tone for the rest of the day for me
0: yeah oh wow yeah. two hours yeah wow. <laughs> yeah no, I'm only half an hour, but that's that's fine. So well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm also walking an eight kilometer in mid-February. It's less than a month from here. I'm supporting, uh, you know, I'm supporting one of the uh, foundations. So I don't want to end up, you know, getting totally freaked out by it. So I'm kind of building up towards it. So that's I'm almost right. there. I did seven kilometers today. So I think I'll be good by the time it, um, the actual date for the um, eight kilometer.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that will be... Perfect. No, training, training is good. Training is good. So (laughs) today, um, I mentioned in my intro that you have gone through breast cancer Mm -hmm. and you've kind of come out the other side with a bit of a shift in focus in your career. So you started off as an ear, nose and throat surgeon and you've moved now towards more life coaching but I wanted to touch on your story first and foremost and how how that affected your life and your trajectory in a way so I mean really in your own words describe your breast cancer story for me Um, I would actually put it
1: as, you know, part one, part two, and part three. So part one is from the time when um, I could actually feel the lump and when I really had to listen to myself and think of all my years of experience as a doctor and a surgeon when I've diagnosed so many people with cancer. Right. And really addressing and really building up the courage and saying, okay, this is something that I better go and get it checked out because you just know that there's just something wrong. So that's
0: the thing isn't it?
1: Yeah that's that's when it really hits you it starts hitting you back then itself and uh, the beauty of this is that the memories are so fresh. Um, no doubt it's it's been like about a year now but um, you can still I mean I can literally remember the the uh, milestones around the journey and wow. so it really with that and then uh, you know you go to your GP and then the GP tries to be really nice and says oh well you know it could just it doesn't have to be anything to be worried about but let's just get it checked out and i said sure <laughs> and she's like yeah we'll try to get an appointment as soon as possible and yeah i pretty much got diagnosed within um a week and this was around the time when we were barely beginning to know about the impact of the pandemic um Was right. kind it's of like tyranny. yeah yeah it was it was just back back then in february and um Yeah, I got my diagnosis like really soon, within about a week. Um, I mean, they wanted to call me in within the next two days itself. And um, I said, can I get a little bit more of time? Because this is really taking, it's really taking a lot out of me, you know? So the mammogram and the ultrasound, and then they did the burps immediately and all those things. So that's one part of it, the part of when you get confirmed. And then starts the whole journey where you just kind of go into complete, like, to do mode, uh, where it is like, you know, oh, I need to call on my insurance. I got to make sure that everything gets covered on time. What do I do about the kids? Who's going to take care of them? Um, Where are we going to get those extra finances just in case, you know, something comes up? Um, Who do I tell and who do I not tell? Yes. (laughs) Whose support do I get? Whose support? I think... I will end up supporting them instead, Um, you know. So it's like, and then, and then suddenly, you know, it's so interesting, Amy, because your emails previously would have been something you subscribe to, and suddenly emails become all these doctor's appointments and all this juggling of going around here, there, you know. Um,
0: Right. Yes.
1: It's um. So yeah, you you know, you do all of that, get operated, um, again in the midst of COVID, um, and. After that, it was, um, I had to undergo a surgery twice. Um, Okay. Then I had to undergo radiation. So the radiation was like level four of when New Zealand had a shutdown.
0: Oh, really?
1: (laughs) But it was good for me in a way because... um, and I think I think at that point in my life, I didn't want to be sitting in waiting rooms discussing, hey, what's your stage? Hey, how's your prognosis? Um, and, you know, things like that. Like, I just really, really for the first time in my life, I think I really decided to completely focus on myself. Yeah, I think, again, as women, we really, rarely, really do. Everybody else is more important. But um, (laughs) being a woman and being a physician and a surgeon, it doesn't help. Everybody else is more important than you are. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I underwent my whole radiotherapy. Um, It was interesting because I was working full time um, and I thought, um, you know, I'll be able to cope. Hey, you know, everything is fine and it's early stage and all of that. So I chose to go back into work. Uh, pretty much three days after finishing. So I just had the weekend off and I went back into work after that. In spite wow. of saying, yeah, in spite of everyone saying that, oh, well, you know, radiation, you get fatigue and all of that. I'm like, ah, nah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Um, and true enough, a month later, I was, I think I was struggling and more than anything else, my team was struggling with me as well. Um, you know what I mean? Um, because you may be physically there doing a full-time job, but you just can't cope you just can't cope
0: no Um, you've got everything else going through your heads and everything that you're managing
1: absolutely and the fatigue is the fatigue is real the fatigue is real by five o'clock six in the six o'clock in the evening there's really nothing that you can do you know no matter how good you've been and um that's just the way it is that's the it's really for me i think it's the body trying to tell you you need to really slow down and focus on yourself right now and don't push yourself don't try to be wonder woman (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes that's yeah. it. it doesn't matter what happens in our lives we always try to make sure everybody else is okay and the one of the blessings i suppose of covid is that you there wasn't anybody around yeah. you you could sit in a waiting room and be two meters away from somebody else and they didn't want to talk to you nobody wants to talk to anybody oh, no. and it's quite a nice little safe space to Absolutely. to not have to deal with anybody else's energy yes, absolutely
1: and I think for me it was I was always very conscious of how much extra knowledge I wanted to have so even if I was googling up something uh, and I'm really grateful for having that medical background because I knew what to google what to rely on what not to rely on um, and that really went very much in my favor as well um, I, I feel very very blessed and uh, then, you know, you finish your treatment and um, what's interesting is like the support just falls off, you know, um, you're at this cliff and you're like, okay, I've kind of done my treatment and I've finished my treatment. And I, I did like everything that I possibly could think of, you know, so I went completely plant based, I, w- I went into organic food. I was still doing my 20 minutes walks around the block because at that time we could only do, luckily at that time we were allowed to do exercise around the blocks. So I used to make sure I used to at least do that. I went heavily into juicing and try to reduce as much of stress. I was, I've was i always been a person who's done meditation and journaling, but this time it was even more. So it was a really holistic thing that I look, you know, to get it as so I, I was, it's basically, it's like, you want to really give it your best shot. You know, this is one time in your life where you just realize like, you don't want to take it easy. You know, you have to really, really, you know, do the best you can. And I'm not going to the part of the complications I had after surgery and the physiotherapy I had to go for and all those things. So let's, let's not go into that part of it. That's just part and parcel of it. And so you finish your treatment and then all that support and all the scaffold that's been around you Mm. is it just kind of suddenly falls off, you know, and everyone says, Oh, well, you know, you finished treatment, you're fine now. And you're going to, you're back to normal and never ever tell that to anybody who has undergone and finished a treatment for a life-threatening condition because you never go back you you can go back to normal but it's a completely new normal you know it's where comes in my what would be my third stage of where you kind of consider yourself a survivor or a thriver which again is a very gray area because who knows who is a survivor, who knows who's a thriver, there's no clear cut definition.
0: And it can change as well, can't it? So you can feel like you've got this power yeah, and then you'll have days where you just want to hide away from the world and you don't know how you ever dealt with anything ever.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And so that is the part of the journey that I am on right now. Um, You know, you go for your daughter's appointments and everything, but that, that repetition is always there is he going to find something? Is my oncologist going to find something? And with breast cancer, what happens is, because you've got different types of breast cancer, some of which okay. are the commonest one is the one which is sensitive to your hormones. So yes. the commonest one is which is sensitive to your estrogen and progesterone, which basically means the cancer is literally feeding off these hormones, mm. which is there in every...
0: Which, yeah. Everyone,
1: like even men have it up to a certain extent, but obviously it's more than females, you know? And so that's what makes it really very different because it's not like you have finished your surgery or your radiation or your chemotherapy, but right now they also continue on for quite a few of us hormonal therapy where oh, okay. they are trying to bring, they want to kind of really kill all the estrogen that you have in your body, which means that you are going to be hit with menopause yes, of a day before you need to. And it's it's an abrupt cut. It's not something that you kind of yeah, it's
0: not gradual. It's yeah,
1: medical. It's there. It's a medical. You know, so here you are like still getting over that fact of being diagnosed with cancer and everything that happens around it. And then it never really like every time you need to take that tablet or that injection. It's that constant kind of a reminder saying you it's, it's, it's still a little bit of a confusion whether you tell someone I had cancer or I have cancer.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> it's that kind of a constant reminder and I think this is actually the most beautiful and revealing part of the entire cancer journey because you really really get to know um, so much more about yourself and I think that's where for me my transition of moving from away from mainstream medicine to really I, I am very much of a people person and for me I need to continue contributing towards people. So that was definitely, it wasn't going to go anytime, anywhere in the future. Um, but what I did really focus on was really establishing and putting myself first, which is something which we don't do. We don't do it as a wife. We don't do it as a parent. We don't do it as the type of work, the type of work that we do. You don't have to be a doctor. Most of us are so married to our jobs. It's not been funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand that.
1: (laughs) And, um, you know, so that's, it's all part of that. So that's where I realized, but but I, through my, having traversed the journey myself, um, there's been a lot of self-reflection that's gone and I sit back and I cringe at some of the things that I may have told my patients when I may have either diagnosed them with cancer or operated on them in cancer Mm -hmm. and being a nose and throat surgeon till about four years ago. You know, you're dealing with important stuff. Like you people can't talk, people can't eat, people can't breathe, and they come to us. And we never, ever thought about that. Whereas, honestly, breast cancer is not so harsh. You know, you're not losing out on anything which is very pivotal, mm. um, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, um, you know, yet it just changes you so much. And I realized that the real transformation actually happens between doctor's appointments, between your oncologist appointments. Um, and you are doing by yourself, you know, and I think that's what is really going to set up to a certain extent, how this journey is going to go and that kind of a support, although you do have a lot of support over here, but someone who's there literally to kind of sometimes hold your hand, sometimes hug you. I mean, you know what coaching is about, right? So I don't have to tell you about that, but that this yeah. is this really coaching people who really, it's really about making them aware of that innate power that they actually already have within themselves. I'm not going to be sitting over here and saying, oh, you need to do juicing or, you know, you need to meditate every day because you're already dealing with a diagnosis yeah. of cancer. You don't want to learn a new tool at that time. All you want to do is just be kind of sane, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and... um where the whole thing came in and my main interest in sleep related was because i realized that again you know as soon as you start feeling that lump or you start having that symptom and you start thinking about "Mm, what could it be Mm -hmm. from that time yeah the whole thing just goes totally over and they've done studies where they have monitored people up to 18 months after finishing treatment after having completed (laughs) treatment for cancer and their sleep is still like nowhere near how it used to be before 18 months wow. after finishing treatment, you know, and that is the impact. And if you haven't slept properly, then you know, getting up in the morning and going for that walk is going to be such a nightmare. Yeah. You know, trying to even cook anything on your own is a nightmare.
0: Yes. And so, so many people don't have that support and they have to all that they're a primary carer for somebody else and now they've got to look after themselves. And yeah, how do you do that if you're so exhausted?
1: Exhausted, absolutely. You know, and even for you to even turn up for your chemotherapy appointments or, you know, your doctor's appointments, if you've had a good night of sleep, you somehow feel so much more prepared to face the world. Even if it means your own people and setting boundaries and saying, no, at this time it's me and, I'm not going to turn up for that party. I'm not going to organize the kids' birthday parties um, because simply because I can't do it. But even for that, if you yourself are tired and fatigued and there's so much of science behind it, you know, sleep is so big, but I really think it's the foundation of all the other pillars of health.
0: It is, I mean, I know we've said when we were chatting beforehand that without sleep, nothing else really happens. Absolutely. I wanted to touch on before because we could delve into sleep. I know. <laughs> talk about it for hours. And I want to make sure that that's we focus on that in our second part. I wanted to um ask you more about your coaching. So you you moved into coaching, was that four years ago when you switched out of the surgery? Or is that kind of melded and molded and it's
1: appeared? so interesting. No, it's so interesting. Um I, so I did, I did become my, you know, the certified certification and everything four years ago, and then I moved to New Zealand and, um, just to put it in a very nice way, let's just put it this way. I think Mm -hmm. really life really came in the way of me putting again, myself, um, forget about first anywhere important. Mm. So a lot of personal challenges that happened. Um, a lot of illnesses. So besides me being a cancer survivor, I had, I became a caregiver of um, my own spouse who ended up having a brain tumor.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: In a few weeks of my moving over here, you know, he, he got diagnosed. And so you know how a brain tumor is. Thank goodness Mm -hmm. it wasn't cancer, but it was the brain. Yeah. So I automatically became the person running the household taking the kids, driving them to school, taking him to doctor's appointments, cooking, shopping, everything. And this yeah. is a new country, you know, it's a new country. Yes. So it was, it was entirely different. And that happened. And then, you know, a year later, we thought everything was fine. And then he ended up having a seizure. Oh, um, no. and then again, for under one year, no driving, no nothing, you know, yeah. um, so that, that's how two years just went by. And um, then I, and also because I couldn't work, you know, because I didn't have a work permit then. Right. So I got a thing to work, I did several jobs. I tried teaching at one of the acupuncture colleges. Then I worked in the University of Auckland. So I've done like three or four jobs. But what the, the last proper job I actually even had was in an insurance company where they wanted somebody with a medical background you know, so all of my plan was when I'm going to move here, I'm going to re, I've got to requalify qualify if I want to do my ENT. So, you know, i am been preparing for my exams, but you know what? Life, <laughs> life is so unpredictable. And I think I've really realized at the end of this all is like, it's already kind of almost up to an extent predestined, you know, like, they yeah, are trying- it has
0: a way of steering you, doesn't
1: it? Absolutely, right? Because initially you feel like they're just kind of pushing you a little bit. And then finally you get something as big as this like staring in your face and um, you know so I said and I did the life coaching basically because I was coached there was a time in my life where I got you know I was coached and that's how we get exposure to life coaching right when you're first at the other end and I just found it brilliant I'm like oh my god no one ever prepared us for things like that no one has asked me these questions in my life Mm. And that's where the whole, you know, the whole beauty of everything came in. And I know even as a doctor, when people, when the patients used to come, you know, treating them of the colds or the coughs or something was relatively very easy, but I always used to ask them a little bit more and find out what's happening, why are they having it? What's happening? What's happening at home or what's happening at work and things like that. And this is like talking back 20 years ago, because it's been 20 years since I've graduated. Um, Back then, no one talked about the mind-body connection, you know, it was just there. It was kind of still very hoo-hoo, yeah. and then going you know forward now it's been proven. It's research is proven how you know your stress and inflammation and all of those things. It's all been proven now, and uh, so for me the whole thing of this whole coaching and everything just kind of came in really blended very beautifully. Um, and as I said earlier, I knew that I wanted to continue working and helping people. As you can see, all my jobs also were either helping training medical students or. Yeah. Um, dealing with people who have sent in insurance claims, you know, who have sent in claims, they've been diagnosed with cancer or whatever. So yeah, i always always have always that kind of a person. And for me, the fact that right now, um, my life balance is very important. And the reality is that I come first. So for me, the fact that I have the privilege of having these amazing conversations uh, after making sure that my cup of self-care is full, so I can be there and turn up for others, is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and speaking you know, of yeah. self it's, it's not just about the cup, Like, that's yours. You have to give from the dregs in the saucer. It's absolutely. The overflow. Absolutely. hold of that cup. Yeah. And that's a
1: non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, uh, super, super difficult for us. <laughs> yeah.
0: It really is. Yeah, it really is. So do you mainly work with um, women with breast cancer or do you work with anyone?
1: No, it's with anyone. It's with anyone who's had cancer, who's been diagnosed with cancer, who's undergoing treatment with cancer. I mean, sorry, for cancer because it's, um, yeah, everybody needs that support. Everybody needs that little bit of that help. it's also about preparing them and empowering them through different parts of the journey. Yeah. And not really just putting everything say in the doctor's hands or whatever. So I do not give medical advice and that is something which I've got to very, very clearly state because I'm not there as a doctor or a surgeon. I am here just as a coach, but what I could help them is, and what I do help them with is simple things like you're going to meet your surgeon. You know, what are the things that you think you could ask? Um, how do you go prepared um, how do you go prepared for your chemo because these are these are general things but yet at that time you're just not prepared you're just not prepared you know you'd rather have somebody because I know if I had a coach in my cancer journey like I sit back and things one or two things which maybe even I would have been able to do better and this is in spite of me kind of yeah. a little bit more of an advantage compared to others and I feel if I had someone who just said, all right, so today your to-do list is this, 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 because you just don't want to think. You just want to really just take over and say, okay, this is what you're going to be eating or, you know, whatever, whatever. This is how it's going to be. And I think that's where a coach is really brilliant.
0: Yeah. And somebody who's gone through it as well, like myself, I haven't been through that journey. I wouldn't know the first thing I can support and lend an ear, but otherwise... Yeah, I don't know. And having somebody who's gone through that journey and helping them with some questions that they might need to ask is so important because your head goes all blah, 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 and you might not be so lucky to have an oncologist or a doctor or somebody who thinks outside of the questions that you're asking. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to, you've got to push for that haven't you
1: yeah, this is just part of it the other part also of it is besides as i mentioned it's what you actually do between your daughter's appointments that's really yeah. going to be of benefit and in a way it's really nice you know you do something which you uh it's kind of a self gratification thing right you've done something you've got like say three goals for that day that you have to do or three tasks i can't say goals yeah. yeah and you kind of are able to do those three tasks you just feel like you know what all is not lost i'm still capable of doing it yeah um, and really that's what coaching is about right it's about really making the person aware of what they can do and like the way you know it's mentioned smart goals right yeah so the, the theory behind it is still the same the, the the principles are still the same it's just that it's a little bit more because at this time when you're having cancer you don't want to be thinking about a holiday for example and saving uh-huh. up to that right but yeah, what, exactly. what definitely finances and how is that going to support you towards your cancer treatment mm-hmm. or to the other treatments, because things like yoga and things like acupuncture, they all have been scientifically proven to help you cope better with your cancer journey as well. Yeah. And those things aren't funded, you know, yeah. and so it's, um, it's, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot that's there and it's, and that's what I like to do because it's more of an integrative thing as well. So, I definitely do not if someone says oh well I don't want to go for this treatment and I don't want to go for that treatment uh, again it's not my prerogative to um advise them but having said that I make a decision about whether I even want to work with them or not so for me it has to be a person who is a good fit and who is going to benefit from me um and so I think establishing that establishing that um, agreement is very very important so I don't have a standard agreement you know for me it's like let's get on the phone let's talk to each other first let's see because you don't want to spend up 90 minutes and quite a bit of money with me if you if you don't get that rapport or vice versa yeah. you know if you're if
0: arguing and butting up against each other exactly. you're exactly. not going to get the best out of your treatment exactly. or anything yeah absolutely and, yeah
1: you know you can if you if if the person is like really it looks like the person really needs like say could help or could could benefit with therapy or seeing a counselor then, because coaching again is not therapy, but at a time like this, you definitely could do with some professional help. So if I feel that that person could actually, I won't say needs anybody, but if they feel like a coach may not be able, because coaching is not the same as therapy. No. It's a fine line, but it's it's necessary. you know. So if somebody really needs that professional help, if they need the support in terms of medications to help them end that part of the journey, mm-hmm. then again, I could help and support them towards that, but that's how it is. So it's really, it's such an individual journey. It's so unique and therefore it has to be personalized.
0: Yeah, and having that referral network of those allied health providers that you go, oh, this person's really good. Just have a chat with them, it's really beneficial. I have one last question I wanted to ask before we move on to talking about the big topic of sleep. Uh, It is a big question. Um, because this podcast is directed towards women, I wanted to go back to um, female identity, mm-hmm. which is huge, but a lot of women, if they're going through surgery or having any mastectomies, how, how do you approach that and how did you deal with that? Did you have mastectomies yourself or? No.
1: So I had to undergo a lumpectomy. To, um... okay but I had it twice. Um, So I didn't require a reconstruction or anything, but I did require radiation after that. Um, Having said that, the scars are still there. Yeah. You know, the scars are still there. And um, this, again, is a really interesting topic because there is so much of a variation in how people look at it. Mm. Uh, Like many ladies are like, my... um, gender identity doesn't have to mean that I have to have my breasts to be considered female. Yes. And I would rather live with that thing of saying, you know, I got rid of the cancer and as already was my chance because my, quite a few people for what's called prophylactic mastectomy which has become quite uh, famous because of certain, um, you know, actresses and people who weren't yes. for something like that um and again it's about really saying do i want to live with that constant fear Mm. of having maybe one small little cancer cell versus saying okay this doesn't make me in any way less of a woman compared to not having it Um, and it's also you have to even if you do try to go in for a reconstruction or you go for implants or whatever what i really want to emphasize on is that you need to be really really well informed you need to know the you need to know the cons and more than anything else and most importantly it has to be your decision because it's your body
0: it does I mean I know right now if somebody says, "Yep, yeah, there's a lump you have cancer I would just be like take them take yeah just absolutely but if I'm in that situation or after that situation and they have removed them then it's oh wow what's what's happened yeah. there's there's a yes okay just, just, just get it off like the, like there's a spider on me or yeah. and then realizing hang on what have i actually done yeah is there is there a morning period for that even if it is uh, bigger than just your breasts
1: there is a just... morning in fact it's a beautiful question that you asked because believe it or not there has to be a morning period yeah if you don't have a moaning period, then you're going to end up having a lot of other other issues. Um, PTSD is so common,
0: mm. it
1: is especially for highly driven women um, who just don't know how to sit and not do anything. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Whose who's, who's identity is along their work and being the perfect mom, you know, all, all those things that we put ourselves up on. Yeah even though this is your body really kind of giving you a huge warning and saying, maybe it's time that you really need to have a relook at your life. Mm. Um, if you don't really go through that period of moaning, it's going to hit you and it's going to hit you so hard. Um, it takes so much more. Yes. So wherever you want to moan, it's up to you, but you need at that time. I think it's quite beautiful when the body goes through the whole fatigue that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's really the way of them telling to say, of the body really trying to tell you, you know, you really need to slow down. Like we are forcibly, forcibly making you slow down. But God forbid that, God forbid that we have to learn our lesson in such a hard way.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Because no matter what it is, you know, the reality, Amy, is that what is the commonest thing that keeps everyone awake is, is it going to come back? Did I do enough? Yeah. Yeah you know, and then kind of looking beyond that and saying, okay, even if it's it's really about facing your fears and all that. So it's an ongoing thing, Mm -hmm. but I think you have to get familiar with being in that place of sadness, of um, loss of faith, uh, the lack of trust because all those emotions Mm -hmm. come and you kind of feel like, ah, I'm done with it. And then boom, something happens, something as simple as, someone offering, do you want to donate for the breast cancer foundation when you go to farmers? Right. Yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, do you even know what you're talking about? I mean, great. Yeah. I've had people who said people, they've, they've started crying, you know, and then the lady at the counter, she's like, what did I do wrong? And when they've expressed and when they've shared their journey and said, well, I happen to be with survivor myself, all that they can do was they hugged each other. Mm literally left the person the person behind the counter came and she hugged that and she's like i'm so sorry and she said no you don't even i'm sorry i never thought i'm going to react so strongly but that's just how it is um it's a it's a i could say it's a kind of a really beautiful journey and i think it's been like the last year people have learned a lot from the pandemic um i think for me it's been like my most intensive course on life yeah (laughs) you know, but all the tools that I've been collecting over my 47 years have really, really put to test. And um, I can't say it it made it any easier maybe, but um, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It is. Um, Right. That left it on a bit of a, oh, but (laughs) I want to move on to sleep now because we do keep bringing it up and it is a very, important part of what you do so we will reconvene next week which will be five minutes or a minute or so in real life but for everybody listening it will be next week so thank you for sharing your story uh we could have gone on for so much longer about it and i have a million other questions but yes just thank you for
1: for that because it
0: is, I
1: it have is a small, freebie. I do have a small freebie though, if anybody, oh, yes. knows, because I had uh, written about my journey um, in one of her books, which was, I'm a co-author of um, it's basically 24 of us had got together and all of us are not, I was the only one who was talking about my cancer journey, Yeah. but it's, it's 24, 23 other women who have really risen from, it's called the Shakti awakening. So you know what Shakti is.
0: So it's a of the Shakti mats.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> well, those are a little bit more painful. <laughs> but Shakti is basically the inner strength that each and every one of us um, have all the time. And it's really about how we have risen kind of the rising of the phoenix. That's the other way of looking at it. And so that's a book. And I would be more than happy if anybody's interested, then, you know, they could, I don't know how you connect, but I would be happy if to just share the link and they can, if they yeah. just want to say about it.
0: Well, what I can do if you um, give me the link, I can pop it in the show notes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Along with all of your details of how to get in touch, your websites, your LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, gosh. Well, and um, also I've got written down that you've got a couple of workshops coming up or masterclasses. Do you want to tell me about those before we sign off for this week?
1: Yeah, that's right. So one masterclass is really um, because I have a part-time job at um, Auckland Sleep where we really kind of, uh, we we have an umbrella of people who have sleep-related problems and we've got physicians under us, you know, Mm -hmm. and what we do is we kind of do the initial assessment. So you've got about seven or eight questionnaires that we, that, you know, I would be asking. And then that is followed at the end of that. We get a clearer idea of whom you need to see because sleep is so big, right? It's such a big umbrella. And so it's really about directing and saying where it could really help and who would really help, what could help, um, giving you a little bit of a direction and we actually helped you and we actually would refer them and we follow up with you and things like that. So the masterclass is that part of it, along with some tips that I would be giving along with it as well. So, you know, like sleep hygiene or whatever. So that's one part of it. Um, And that's one masterclass. This is for the general people. You don't have to have cancer for that. It's for anybody who's got any sleep-related problems. Many times we have people who come with their partners because that's the main thing. partner
0: knows more than they (laughs) do. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's one masterclass. And the other one is really about, it's called, what did cancer do to my sleep? Um, And that's pretty much what I'm talking about, which is, you know, what exactly happens a little bit of the science, because no one really wants to know so much of the science. What people really want to know is what can we do about it? But yeah. to know what to do about it, you need to have that little bit of that background. So it's going a little bit into that, the different parts of your cancer journey and what you can actually do to try and get back a little bit of a normal sleep to really make you feel like it's worth getting out of bed, no matter what. Um, and that's the, that's the other masterclass that I'm doing as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. and it's a whole integrative thing. It's a whole integrative thing. It's not only about taking the melatonin or taking the sleeping tablets or anything. It's really about everything else that's also helped me on my journey as well. Whether it's food and nutrition, whether it's aromatherapy, you know, the all the other yeah. things can be there because I really have I really believe strongly in an integrative uh, approach to cancer as well. Yeah,
0: well, everything's connected.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Things
0: out of out of sync. Yes, it's like dominoes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So those are my two masterclasses that are coming up. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Um, do you have booking links for those?
1: Well, <laughs> I know I should be, but I haven't made it as yet, but yeah, I could just pick it and then I could, uh, you know, we could share it with you or if people really want, then, you know, share a website because for me, it's also about getting a maximum number of people. So I'm kind of open right now to see whether weekdays or weekends work and, um, uh, okay. you know, because, um, yeah the more the better but also i am limiting the number of people as well because it has to be personalized too of course. so i'm just right now collecting what people are looking at and what would be the convenience for them and then take it from there
0: so people can get in touch with you via the website i and think the ready. best thing yeah i think that would be the best way to go about it perfect all right well thank you very much thank you amy this is wonderful <laughs> we will chat about sleep in just a moment thank you <laughs> For listening to the Women's Wellness Podcast, for links and show notes, please visit www.connecthealth.fitness slash podcast I would love for you to subscribe to the channel so you get notified when we release our next episode, and please share with anyone who you think might benefit. Thank you again. I look forward to seeing you soon.